What up, people? Welcome back to the Dugout Football Show. I'm actually here with a very good friend of mine and new guest having his debut. I'm here with Bryce Titus. What up, Brycey? How's it, Ryan? Good to have you, my G. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, man. How are you? I hope you aren't too nervous to be on my show for the first not time. Not at all. Not at all. Hey, all my guests say that. They all lie to me. They all say, hey, I'm not feeling too nervous, Ryan. Dude, and you, then know they, and then, you know me. No, but they come on the show and they're like... Um, and I'm just like, guys, calm down. It's no, a normal... there's no pressure. It's a conversation between friends. Exactly. So, how was your day today? Oh, it was a banger, mate. Uh, busy, busy, busy at work. And a lot of pressure, but getting through it exactly. day by day. Okay. Now, that's very good, Maji. Glad to have Bryce on. Bryce is a... Uh, he's a huge Tottenham Hotspur supporter. And plenty of banter happens under my roof when it comes to Bryce's team. It's gotten to the point where he's... Uh, he hides from my dad because my dad normally gives him lots of stick about I'm his glad team. he's not here. He'd be soaking yeah, on me. I, I think if my dad was here, he'd be, uh, him and my dad would be having banter for days. Anyway, so since Bryce is a Spurs supporter, Bryce, tell us more about how you became a Spurs fan because this is your debut and I think our listeners would love to know more about you. Okay, this is a very interesting uh, story. When I was uh, much younger and uh, learning about soccer, I started off with a door with a lot of posters. So basically, I had three teams on my door with uh, different soccer players. I had Thierry Henry, mm-hmm. I had Steven Gerrard, Ooh. and uh, who was the other red? David Beckham. So I had three red uh, players on my door, but at heart, I'm a Tottenham fan. So it happened one day where my father looked at my door and said, what rubbish is this? Please take all this off. I was like, hey, dad, I mean, come on. Uh, this this is my freedom to put whatever I want on the door. He's like, no, nah, we don't do that yet. <laughs> so um, eventually started to watch a bit more soccer and started to get into it. And I actually fell in love with Spurs because it felt like a place where I belonged. Why Todd Lane, the atmosphere. I mean, watching it from TV, but not actually being there. Uh, sort of uh, found my belonging. But... Uh, Two players that I remember quite fondly that uh, brought my passion was uh, Robbie Keane mm. and uh, Jermaine Defoe. I'll always love Jermaine Defoe no matter where he plays or even if he plays against us. He was always the fox in the box and could uh, score from long range as well. He's a poacher, he's a finisher, he's a hitman. What, what, about, what about Ledley King? Ledley King, uh, well, I never really fanc- uh, fancied him because... Uh, I mean, yes, he's captain fantastic, but he had a lot of injuries and uh, he would play maybe every third game, uh, trained once a week. Uh, I don't put anything bad on the guy, but uh, we've had better defenders since yeah. his time. Okay, so so talk me through the inconsistency happening now at Tottenham, because the reality is we're looking at... Uh, Two draws, one loss and a win. So Tottenham won 3-1 against Aston Villa at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They then went on to draw against Manchester City. Sorry, yeah. They then lost to Newcastle 1-0. And they've now drawn to Arsenal at the Emirates. So what does this inconsistency come down to? Because Spurs won this inconsistent last season. You know, I think it all stems from the final of the Champions League. 
I think uh, Poch just might have lost the dressing room. Uh, his uh, his choices of the starting eleven for games. It hasn't really been players that have deserved to start based on performance or based on uh, attitude towards the team. Because I think the player that I would actually have week in week out is Lucas Mora because. He's actually shown that he fights for the team. He's he deserves passionate. to start. I he's, can't understand why he deserves to start. I mean, that's exactly how I feel. I mean, he literally got us to the Champions League final, and he didn't start. I won't, for, I won't forget the performance against Ajax. I will never. I can actually, as I'm sitting now talking to you, I can remember each and every single goal and how he scored it. It was like a solo performance. Yes, the team helped him, but. He turned that game around. I can remember you calling me at like midnight screaming when Lucas Moura scored the winner. Dude, it's like, to be honest, I wanted to take off all my clothes on (laughs) the streets. I mean, that man was legendary. I think I I done somersaults in in, in my house, in the the living room. I called you up. I said, dude, we're in the Champions League together. I can't believe it. It was fantastic. So, So ultimately, you're putting it down to the fact that Tottenham obviously lost the Champions League final. Okay, that's a bit out of their control. But you're putting it down to Maurizio Pochettino's man management and his team selection. Yeah, back to what you're saying. It's not really the loss of the Champions League because I don't think it's down to the players of how we lost. If you can remember the Champions League with yeah. the, the very first incident in the game with the, the Musa Sissoko handball. handball. I mean, that was out of a control. Like, the very first 10 minutes, we lost the game because of that. So I think yeah. if... Uh, if he lost the game in any other way, with passion, with grits, with fights, mm. right until the dying minutes, mm. if he lost one goal with a dying minute goal or an 80th minute goal, yeah. or if it went to extra time, it was heartbreaking uh, watching that match. Yeah. So over time, I just think it's the man management, the choices he's made for the starting 11, um, and he's just got his favourites. Okay, so speaking of favourites, since you bring it up, Surely Christian Eriksen is considered a favourite. Why? Why has he been sidelined for so long? Because we do, we we've all been aware of the uh, the contract situation of the past couple of months. Why has he been sidelined? Because we all know he's one of Poch's favourites. Well, if you look at uh, the timing of this uh, transfer window, it's uh, it's been a bit of a problem mm. with uh, the Premier League transfer window closing earlier than any other window in Europe. So uh, we're closing earlier and starting our games with the other European teams still being able to buy and sell players. He had his head turned. By he Real wanted Real Madrid or Barcelona. He wanted La Liga. He wanted a new challenge. And to make that man play, I mean, I think I would have done the same as a manager. Um, him playing, having his mind elsewhere, I don't think he would have had the performance he had. I think uh, it was the right decision, making the window close. Mm giving him some time and uh, making him adjust. I think a lot of people don't understand from a manager's point of view that if if one of your players is not 100% focused on the task at hand in terms of their head being turned. I remember a very similar situation with Luis Suarez. I, some people have the opinion of if your best player is fit, he should start. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't agree with it because I think of it this way. I think of if a player's head is turned, he's not 100% focused on the team. Well, going back to that, I mean, it's not just about his head being turned. During that whole time of a saga with uh, a player being wanted by other clubs, I mean, surely the dressing room is going to not be with him. 
he's probably going to be ostracized he's going to be on his own yeah uh, players are not going to be gelling with him the passes are not going to be key they're not going to be uh, as precise and being a playmaker it's all about precision so a man in his position I mean he's all about the final pass creating mm-hmm. the goals so <coughs> if his head is turned and he can't think of anything else and he's putting his passes left right or out so out of bounds he's obviously going to affect the team yeah 100% so with that being said there was obviously that situation and then there was the second one of uh, well Toby Oliver not agreeing a new contract and he's running his last what six months now so I mean if you think about it this way he can go on a free he can actually even negotiate a new deal in January and the same goes for Jan Vertonghen I know Jan Vertonghen was on the bench a lot of the time apparently he was overweight in preseason. so from what I actually remember going to start with Toby, um, Toby's situation, he had a contract release during the preseason. I'm not really sure of the figure right now, but uh, he could have gone on a cheap, uh, a cheap figure. Yeah, a 25 million pound 25. release clause. Yeah, so now that has expired, mm. and it goes back to his original amounts of what he can be released for. I believe Toby as a Spurs boy through and through I believe he's got passion for the team and uh, if he leaves I I do not think he'll go to a a Premier League rival Um, I believe he's he's got the Tottenham blood in him so I believe he could possibly sign a new contract and he's a player for for a lifetime for what he's done for the club since he's come from Southampton I believe he could stay I, I believe it's just about choices and the man management. I think if Poch uh, takes him under his uh, his arm, has a conversation with him, a genuine conversation, but it also goes back to money. Um, you got to look I, at what players are earning from but Spurs. I, I look at it this way: Why have Tottenham allowed three key players to run down their contracts like this? It doesn't make sense. Well, I can't understand it as well because uh, surely from what they've done for the team, they deserve to have. Good contracts, uh, money, money uh, negotiated. Their salaries changed. We don't want to see them go to a rival because we don't want to strengthen another rival. Yeah. Um, but it is a bit disappointing. We don't want to see them go for on the on the free. They are big, valuable players. To lose them and not make a profit from them, that would be ridiculous. I've seen people like Tim Sherwood say that the reason why Tottenham are going to actually lose a lot of the key players is a couple of reasons, but there were two main ones. He said the fact that their wage structure is a lot smaller than other clubs, which is true. Yeah, and the fact that Tottenham now need to win something with this squad. I agree on that as well. You know, the interesting thing on that point is the last silverware we won was with Wanda Ramos, which was one of our worst managers. And now we've had Poch, who I think is like... Top three. Well, laugh if you want to, but he's like also Alex Ferguson in our Premier League era not with winning the titles but what he's done for the club mm. and uh, we've come pretty close to winning a few titles we had a lot of semi-finals and to get to the Champions League final I mean I never thought of it happening anytime soon and and how it happened the teams we, we got over it's like I believe we're there we're 90% closer we, we're getting there every single year it's obviously harder for us because, I mean, we just got the new stadium. We're still building our finances compared to all the other clubs and what they can afford, the players they can buy. So we are obviously on the back foot. We have a handicap. Um, 
But yeah, I think we're going to get there. So, just going back to the Champions League final, I know it's a very bitter pill to swallow. Yeah. I think of certain situations arising with the likes of uncertain futures. Danny Rose. Danny oh, Rose. Um, Kieran Trapia, for example. A couple of players were in the dark when it comes to their futures. And Kieran's been a very big advocate of that in the media. He's been talking 100%. about... He's been going on about how he didn't know about this move to Atletico Madrid. 100%. And... Um, when the move came about, it was revealed to him, and I mean, he felt as if, like, if the club want to sell me, then I'll leave. You might as well go, yeah. He had a very impressive World Cup. He was one of the best right backs at the competition. How does one's form dip so badly? Because when I saw him last year, he wasn't the same right back that we've seen at Spurs for the past two years. Okay, firstly, I'll, I'll talk about Danny Rose. Danny Rose is an interesting one. I mean, he's been with Spurs, he came from Leeds. He came through as a youngster, and we'll never forget the goal he scored against Arsenal. That's a bolts of a left foot mm. volley. I remember that cracker. Against Almunia, I'll never forget that goal. So, um, Danny Rose has been with the club a really long time, mm. and he's been arguably one of the best left backs in the Premier League. Uh, but I guess probably why we look at other left backs, or why we got Ryan Sessignon, we're thinking of the future. Um, Danny Rose is getting up there in age. He can't really do as much as he used to. Yeah, 27, 28? I think he's around 28. Mm. So he's, he's, he's definitely getting there. With your, with your wing-backs and your, uh, your full-backs, you definitely want to get them up the pitch fast. It's about speed. It's about uh, getting in the crosses. Mm. And that's what the modern game of football is all about. And I, I think, so I think it's about ben, accuracy, I think, getting, I think, getting people on the end of the crosses. I think Ben Davies, like you said about full-backs. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there. Ben Davies is not competition enough for Danny Rose there was a stage where Poch was using them for one game at a time um, rotating them but uh, Danny Rose I mean he's shown what he's done over time his history speaks for himself mm. but uh, I definitely think he's also had his uh, bit of moments in the media saying that he wanted to go there was a time yeah. he wanted to go to Manchester so he, he spoke about family reasons as well but He's come back, he's settled. Even before the Champions League, even before we've done some major turnarounds, he wanted to be part of the club. I think his future could have been decided a lot earlier. I definitely think he qualifies for a contract extension. And uh, I think he's a great man for us. And going back to Kirian, uh, Kirian Trippier, when he had that World Cup, I mean, he scored that amazing free kick in the World Cup. He was buzzing. He got England to as far as they could. He came back and he had a very disappointing season. I don't know. People say it was his head that got a, got away from him. He wasn't getting uh, the quality in the box with the crosses. He was letting people beat him for pace. A lot of goals were coming from our right-hand side. And uh, his performances were quite disappointing. Um, but I'm not happy with the way he went. I think he could have been spoken to earlier last season. Mm. It could have been changed around. Um, during breaks during trainings uh, sessions away in other countries the moments where the club would get around and tackle any issues he had they could have done it to see how he went it was a very bitter pill to swallow mm. unexpected we wouldn't think Kieran Chopia our England boy going to Atletico Madrid didn't see it happening I, I didn't see it happening because the reality was is that <sighs> I don't want to be disrespectful towards Carl Walker-Peters. Yeah. But there wasn't 
you know, I, I get it if there's like an ideal backup replacement waiting in the wings to come through and obviously take that position with both hands. Yeah. But I didn't see it at Spurs. Yeah. Um, and like I said, no offense to Carl Walker Peters. I just didn't trust him enough to want to play him in the position full time. Yeah, I guess uh, Kieran as well. Maybe he looked at this youngster behind him and thought, no competition. He's Complacency. Got complacent and his performances uh, dropped. Uh, Kyle Walker-Peters, he's very young. He's still coming up. And as you look at this season, uh, Poch has put Foyt at uh, right back as well. It's just unfortunate that he's got injured. But um, I read something today on Sky Sports about uh, Kieran Trippier sending a message to Poch. Yep, I saw that. And uh, the excuse... I, I think it was unwarranted. I think it was a lie, if possible, because surely a manager that's got to manage a whole squad, um, big egos, they should all have his number. I mean, what, 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 what did Poch say? Poch said something about how, um, oh, I'm not too sure if you got my new number. He changed his number. Oh, like he made Harry Kane it, it, like, send the message. In that position, I mean, he changed his number. There should have been an email going out from the club. Uh, Potter's changing his number. Players, please be aware. This is what the number's going to be. But I think they wanted to get rid of him. But Do I'm also not sure. But it could be that the club decided. Yeah. And that Potch had no involvement. And Potch would rather have not spoken. If you remember a while back this season, Potch actually said that uh, he's not a manager. He's a head coach. Because he doesn't make decisions, he doesn't decide who's going to get bought, he doesn't decide futures, they can be replaced, mm. other players can come in. He doesn't have the roles that other managers have in the Premier League. Yeah. Obviously a very uh, very frictioned up relationship between Potch and uh, Kieran Trippier. So just to move on to lighter terms, I've actually been very impressed with Kyle Walker-Peters, funny enough. I've actually been very impressed with the performances he's put in, he looks very confident, he's looked... He's had a willingness to get forward and beat his opposite fullback. I really enjoyed his defensive play as well. I just think against the best in the league, I'm talking about your Raheem Sterling, and I think we all saw what happened. <laughs> I think it's against the best in the league, I think Kyle Walker-Peters is not ready. Um, I look at him. He's a youngster. And uh, he has put in some good efforts. He has put in uh, some good uh, showcasing performances. Yeah. I believe he's got two manager, uh, Man of the Match awards mm -hmm. for, for past performances. But, I mean, if you look at world beaters like Raheem Sterling, I mean, he's going to get eaten for pace. And uh, I don't think he's also had much of the experience that uh, that Spurs used to do with sending a lot of the, the young boys on loan before coming back and uh, getting into the first team 11. He's yes. quite uh, got into the first team uh, quite early in his uh, development mm -hmm. I think he still needs to understudy under someone more senior more experienced but he's definitely one to have in the squad in the 18 man squad uh, 25 man squad each season I don't want to send him on loan I think he could learn under someone that's got a lot of experience putting him in to play what is it 38 games or more in a season I don't think he's the man to do it so just to go back to the uh, the Arsenal Tottenham game at the Emirates. Oh wow! <laughs> the uh, the two two. Just help help other Tottenham fans capture the sentiment. Like how how did you feel at the end of that game? Did you feel like it was a point gained or two points two points lost? I think we were lucky. I think we were lucky. 
I first looked at the first goal by Eriksson, it was bundled in. Harry Kane that was a mistake it. from Ben Leno. Yeah, it. yeah, and then I saw the Harry Kane penalty. I mean, it's a pen. I'm sure that decision was also on VAR. I'm not too sure. A lot of guys have the opinion that Harry Kane actually dived. I do see the contact between when I see Socrates like just bundling over him with his hands, pushing yeah. him over. I do see it. Yeah. But there's a lot of confusion between how much contact there is required to push a big man like Harry Kane over. Look, let's be honest about it. Let's let's be upfront about uh, penalties. Strikers today are very smart. Mm-hmm. They know exactly where to put their body and how to earn a penalty. So I'm not going to say that he didn't play for the penalty, but uh, it looked like a penalty. It definitely did. But as I'm going back to the performance, I think we were lucky. Because if you looked at uh, the second half, mm-hmm. it was such a difference. And Arsenal came out with determination. They knew what they wanted to do from the get-go. They wanted to win it more. They, they wanted, wanted it more. They definitely did. And it's interesting that Guendouzi, he led that Arsenal attack from the midfield. He changed that game for Arsenal. He knew what he wanted. He wanted, he wanted to be on the end of everything. That little kid. Matteo Guendouzi was, uh, like I mentioned with my friend Daniel Skilton a couple of weeks ago, Guendouzi was the man of the match and I think he had the best performance bar none on that pitch. I, I don't think I saw, to be real, I don't think I've seen a 19-year-old in my life have Boss that much have that much confidence for a very long time. I, you barely see it. So yeah, that, was a, that was a very good game from Matteo Guendouzi. I think the one person that put in a real good performance was Spurs. Like, really good. I really... Really enjoyed Harry Winks' performance. Yeah. I think there was only so little he could do because the reality is, Spurs fans have been going in on him saying like, like, oh, oh, like Harry Kane is useless or whatever the case is. But the reality is, when you're playing against a midfield that's just legs, Musa Sissoko, for example, that just runs, you kind of are isolated in the middle of the park. And him against when you're playing at the Emirates, a cold like the Emirates, yeah, when they get momentum. They're going to be running on you, all over you. Yeah. And the last thing you'd want is to be overrun in midfield. And Harry Winks was, unfortunately, overrun because he didn't have much help. Yeah. I think when he had the ball, though, he his pass completion was very impressive. I think he didn't lose the ball much. And I think a lot of players in the middle of the park, like Musa Sissoko, let you guys down that day. Yeah. They let you down. You know, that partnership is going to be very key this season. And I'm not too sure who it's going to be. Because if you based off uh, last season's performances, what Sissoko done, I mean, he was like a hero he to was the crazy. last season. He was everywhere. He was running. He even came on a substitute, uh, as a substitute appearance uh, quite often last season and changed games. So going into this season, I mean, it's based off that mm. as well. It's the history. We want to put him in the game. But if you look at Ndombele... And what he came and done from the very first game, it's a pity that he's injured now. But who do you partner? Do you partner Ndombele and Sosoko? Do you partner Sosoko and Wings or Wings and Ndombele? So that uh, that partnership is going to be very key. And honestly, I don't see where Eric Dyer is going to fit in. Unfortunately, you differ <laughs> on playing Oliver Skip either. Oliver Skip, I mean... <laughs> I think we're going to use him for cup games. Definitely cup games. Yeah. And Eric Dyer only came back to fitness recently and I don't see where he even gets... 
into that fight. Even 100% fit, I don't see where he's he getting into that first team. I don't see where he's getting in. I don't see him getting a game for a while. I think, and the minute, I think the minute Tong, the minute Tongi Ndombele is back, yeah, it's done in these streets for Eric Dyer. Done. Yeah. Done. Um, I think his best chance is if Wings gets injured. Yeah, definitely. So, Tongi Ndombele has been very impressive. He came in the first game against Aston Villa and he scored on his debut. Yeah. So, how did you, how have you felt about Tongi Ndombele's performances so far? As a young man, wow, he's got a good head on his shoulders because he played in that game like a veteran. He played like someone that's here to win. He was brave. He played like a player that is going to win titles. It's not just about the bravery. It's about the matureness in yeah, his decision yeah, making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's once he scored. I mean, he scored the equalizer. Almost. He didn't that. even celebrate. He didn't even celebrate. Yeah. He actually got the players to go back to the halfway line. For a young man to do that to not your debut, you scored a goal. He didn't celebrate. He didn't go wild. The maturity. Get back. Let's uh, let's kick off. Let's kick off again. Let's go again. He changed that game. Yeah. For a young man. I'm very impressed. Nah, I actually I, I watched Tongi that day because I've, I've been very uh, I've been very curious and because uh, <laughs> I mean Spurs got him ahead of a lot of other clubs in the world and I mean Definitely. a lot of clubs were in for Tongi but the reality is Spurs got him and all credit to them. So Tongi came through and um, the second edition was Giovanni La Celso. Yeah. Now I don't know if you watched much of him from Real Betis last year, but he was mad. Yeah. He was impressive. Unfortunately, he's gotten injured again. So I think it's growing, eh? Yeah, you're not going to see him for a while. Yeah, for a very long time. So let's move on to the. Uh, Sorry, if you mind, if I just speak about the cells, I mean, sure. Um, I think I would have preferred uh, Bruno, Bruno from uh, Bruno Fernandez yeah, for Sporting for, Lisbon. Sporting, I'd prefer him. If you look at his stats, his assists, his goals. And if you put him in that Portugal first team, that uh, that eleven, I mean, their attack with Bruno Silva, wow! I think I, I, I think I the reason the reason why Spurs chose Lascelles, I think at the same time, because he was really good for Betis last year, yeah. but he played in a more competitive league. You I know, I, I I think the Portuguese league, with no disrespect, I think the Portuguese league is not at the level La Liga is. Yeah. You know, and the fact that Lascelles was performing on on a big stage like that every single week. Yeah. It makes sense why Spurs got him. So I think that was a safer option for Daniel Levy's pockets. Um, also with the with the loan option, loan option we are going to buy him at the end of the season. Let's hope so. It looks like so. Let's hope so. Unless a shocker happens. Been watching Poch in the media recently, and he's been very uh, he's been very feisty with the media. He's been very you know uptight. He's been very he has to constantly like reassure himself that he he loves Spurs. He wants to be here. Why has Poch become so temperamental about certain things, certain questions? As I said earlier, I think it goes back to the relationship with the chairman and the board. Is that is there friction there, you think? I believe so. Why? I just think the decisions he wants to make, his impact he wants to have on the team, on the brand of Spurs, he's not able to have. If you look at the influence that Klopp has in Liverpool, Yeah. I think Poch is knowing full well that he doesn't have that impact on Spurs. Mm-hmm. He can't make the decisions exactly of who he wants. I mean, if Klopp says, go for this player, Liverpool, listen, they get him by all means. Whew. 
a lot of content going on here, a lot of uh, friction between Bryce and Spurs. So I'm not happy, mate. I'm just not happy. So uh, coming up next, coming up next, they have Crystal Palace at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So they have that coming up, and I'm pretty sure Bryce is confident for three points for that game. How do you feel? Honestly, not not quite confident as yet. Crystal Palace are buzzing in the league. They're in the top four. They come off a very good win at Old Trafford against Manchester United. Yeah. And uh, I'm just not sure what the international break is going to bring. Did players go away? Are they still unhappy? What is going to happen in the dressing room from day one, from the training? I mean, it's easy to look at uh, pictures from training and see the guys laughing and uh, having a good time. Yeah. But what's going to happen when the cameras are off, when the doors are closed? We don't know. Are issues resolved? Do players want to play? Has he lost the seniors in the squad? Mm. Yeah, I'm not too confident. I'm actually looking at a draw. Hmm. Hmm. Where where could Tottenham ultimately hurt Crystal Palace? Well, I know who regularly scores <laughs> against uh, Crystal Palace, and that's Son. So if he comes on and he loves coming on from the left. I think uh, we could definitely do a business there. Hmm. Could be against someone like Martin Kelly who can be exposed. But nonetheless, so prediction for Tottenham Crystal Palace tomorrow? 1-1. I'm a bit unconfident. I want my team to show me wrong. Hmm. Tough call, tough call. Guys, Bryce Titus, he's made his debut on the dugout football show. I'm happy to have him. Bryce, do you mind telling people where they can find you on social media? Because uh, I'm pretty sure there might be a couple of Spurs fans that are willing to fight you. Okay, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Titus.Bryce. And you can find me on Twitter, Bryce underscore Titus underscore. Alright guys, good having Bryce on. It's been an amazing episode talking about Spurs and Crystal Palace. Coming up next, we have the build-up for week 5 of the Premier League's fixtures. Now, I hope you've enjoyed my show so far. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at rwleafgreen. You can find me at the Dugout Podcast on Instagram. Basically, just type that in. And you can also find me at my personal page, Ryan double underscore leaf. So guys, have the best weekend. Enjoy all the Premier League fixtures. Hope you guys have your takeout, your beers, whatever you guys have on standby there waiting for you. Enjoy. This is your boy Ryan Leaf on the Dugout Football Show. Have the best weekend.